The following is a recording of the Thomas Paine Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. We are located in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. We are also located on the web at www.tpuuf.org. Please come visit us. Good morning. Last week I asked about why we gather and how exciting we are to get together in community, and this is why we gather right here. And as I like to do each week, I remind us about our prelude <laughs> and how it's a time to enter into this space mentally, physically, to come together to prepare for worship. And today we have a very special, we usually have recorded, today we have a very special live uh, prelude. So let us join our hearts and our minds as we listen to this sort of irreverent, funny, Holy song, Let the Mystery Be, by Iris DeManton, performed by Jerry Lazaro. Good morning. Everybody's a wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody's worried about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I think I'm gonna let the mystery be. Some say once you're gone, you're gone forever, and some say you're gonna come back. Some say you'll rest in the arms of the Savior if in sinful ways you lack. Some say they're coming back in a garden, bunch of carrots and little sweet peas. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Everybody's wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody's worried about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Some say they're bound to a place called glory. I ain't saying it ain't a fact. But I heard that I'm on the road to purgatory, and I don't like the sound of that. I believe in love, and I live my life accordingly. I think I'll just let the mystery be. Everybody's wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody's worried about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. I'm gonna just let the mystery be. I'm gonna just let the mystery be I think I'll just let the mystery be Holy and beautiful is the custom which brings us together in the presence of the Most High to face our ideals to remember our loved ones in absence, to give thanks 
to make confession, to offer forgiveness, to be enlightened and to be strengthened. Through this quiet hour breathes the worship of ages, the cathedral music of history, three unseen guests attend, faith, hope, and love. Let our hearts prepare them place. Holy and beautiful is the custom which brings us together. Holy and beautiful is the custom which brought you here this morning. It is holy and beautiful because of our shared purposes, our shared ideals, and furthermore, because you are holy and beautiful. I'm Reverend Andrew Weber, and I'm delighted to welcome you here to Thomas Paine Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. Welcome to a time and a place where you can believe what you are called to believe. This is where you're asked to hold on to that which you already know in your heart, in your inmost soul to be true. And it's also where you're challenged to live that faith into the world, to live what you know to be true into the world. Come, let us witness to a mysterious something larger than ourselves. Come, let us worship together. Can you please come up to light our chalice? The symbol of our emboldening and challenging faith is the flaming chalice kindled each week across the country and around the globe as Unitarian Universalists gather for worship. It is a flame representing many things, among them our personal searches for truth and meaning, a flame of truths we carry inside ourselves always. We light our chalice, a mirror of our individual sparks of inspiration, igniting a communal flame of commitment. And every Sunday in December, we light one more candle on our Advent wreath. I'll tell you which ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those of us not in the tradition, I think, oh, I don't know, there are colors. Which ones do we do? This witnesses to our Christian roots as a faith and also to the anticipation. Remember, anticipation can be both very positive and negative. The anticipation around this time of year of having time off school, of having time off work, possibly, of maybe having more work, the anticipation of being around family members, that anxiety, that looking forward to or holding back, that's what Advent is. So today we are lighting three candles as the third week in December, the third week of Advent. The first purple candle, either one, for the hope we hold in our hearts for new possibilities and new beginnings. The second purple candle, a wish for peace in our hearts and in the world. And the third, the pink candle, for joy in this season and joy in all of life. And as is our shared tradition here, we also light our peace lamp. You already got it? That's okay. That's great. <laughs> Let us join in the words as we wish for peace in our minds, in our hearts, in the worlds. May peace be with us. Thank you so much. Today we're using the teal hymnal. So if you have one, turn to 1003. If you don't, lyrics will be up here. This is um, 
where do we come from? A strange, just like our prelude, a sort of strange, sort of irreverent, very deep song. Where do we come from? Just follow along with uh, our virtual leader here. It's, it's a strange song, also because the lyrics, does, did anyone, if you read my, I'm calling you out, did anyone read my newsletter article for this month? Yeah, the lyrics come from a painting, actually, a Gaga painting. Where do we come from? Where are we going? Mystery, mystery, life is a riddle and a mystery. Look it up, it's really, really odd, really strange. And now, let us talk about other mysteries. We're going to talk about death today. Hopefully, we'll leave this place not downtrodden and upset, but uplifted by the messages that we'll be sharing. And our first piece that we're going to talk about is When Dinosaurs Die by um, Laurie Krasny Brown and Mark Brown. If you know the Arthur series, you can recognize that, that drawing. So if you want to come forward, please come forward. If not, that's okay. It'll be on the screen, and it'll be right here. Hey there. Hi, Corinne. Hey, Ryan. When Dinosaurs Die, a guide to understanding death. What does alive mean? Every single living being has a beginning, a time to be alive, and then an ending or death. During your lifetime, your body is busy doing its work. You breathe, move, eat, see, hear, touch, taste, smell, grow, talk, play, 
think and feel. Yippee! You're alive and a part of the world. We could add climb in there. Why does someone die? Dying is a part of life for every living thing. Death happens for different reasons. Someone may die after a long illness, so everyone knew he or she was going to die. Other times, it's a complete surprise. A life can be very long or short. Even someone just born may not be strong or healthy enough to stay alive. Others may die from being hurt in an accident. Even when doctors and nurses do everything possible to help, some accident victims do not recover. Sometimes lives are lost violently, such as when someone kills someone else. It may be in a war or for reasons that are very hard to understand, such as poverty, prejudice, and drug abuse. Someone may be even be so upset and without hope about his problems that he kills himself. This is called suicide. All kinds of death make people sad. Most of us live long, healthy lives. A child, a mother, or father usually lives until he or she is very old. What does it dead mean? When someone dies, her body stops working. The heart stops beating and breathing stops. The brain doesn't send or receive messages. She is no longer, she can no longer see, hear, touch, taste, smell, eat, play, feel, or think. She cannot move. Someone dead may look asleep, but she isn't sleeping and she cannot wake up. Feelings about death. When someone you care about dies, you may have all kinds of feelings. It may be hard to believe that a dead relative or friend won't be around anymore. You may have a hard time getting to sleep or have strange dreams or nightmares for a while. Losing someone who is special to you is very hard to understand. You may feel so sad and lonely that it hurts. These feelings are not always easy to talk about, but it helps if you can. It can be very scary. When someone close to you dies, you might wonder about how your life will change. You might worry whether you will die or if someone else you love will die. Things you weren't afraid of before may scare you now. It's also natural to feel angry when you miss someone so much. Some days you may push away the very hugs you need. There are lots of ways to let out mad feelings without getting in trouble. You may want some time to yourself and time to be near those you love best. When someone you love dies, there is no right or wrong way to feel. Among friends. When someone in your family dies, your life is likely to be different, but you hope your friends will treat you the same way they did before. It may be hard for your friends to know what to say or do to help you feel better. Saying goodbye. Everyone has to decide how to say goodbye when someone important to him or her dies. This is a special time to show your love and respect. Friends and family will want to help you honor the life of your friend. A funeral is a special ceremony to someone who has just died. 
Your parents can help you decide whether to attend a funeral. You may have many questions about it. Going to someone's funeral or memorial service is one way to let a family know you share some of their sadness and some of their good memories too. Even if you can't go to the funeral, you can help out at home, offer extra hugs, or make up a special goodbye poem. Keeping customs. There are many special ways of doing things that help us say goodbye to someone who has died. Some families burn incense and bow low in front of the grave. Others sing and pray together at the grave. Part of their circle is left open in honor of the dead one's spirit. Still other families spend several days in mourning by sitting Shiva. They sit on a simple wooden bench and light a candle every day. Some families have the coffin buried underground, others choose cremation. Many families continue to honor the dead long after they have died. They may say prayers or prepare a special offering. What comes after death? Some things about death and dying are very hard to understand, even for grown-ups. No one can know for sure what comes after death, but almost everyone has an opinion about it. There are lots of opinions here. If you have questions about it, ask your family or your religious leader. Ways to remember someone. Even when someone you love dies, you don't lose him completely. You still have your memories. That person can always be a part of you. There are many, many things you can do to remember someone. At other times, you may be busy having fun, making friends, learning something new. This is not forgetting the one you love. It just means you're doing other things. Hooray for life. Here are some ideas. Make a scrapbook about her. Play the game. I remember when, with your family and friends, keep practicing something he taught you. Write a poem about her. Keep something of hers in a special place. Visit her grave. Look at his photograph. <clears throat> Plant a tree. Say a prayer. Make new friends. Joke about funny things. Include her in your drawings. So even though death can be very, very sad, what I think is important is that we keep on remembering those who touched our lives. Thank you for paying attention to this story. And now we are going to sing a recessional hymn. And I uh, hope you have a great go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the spirit of love surround you everywhere. Morning. I'm Cindy Westfall. For those of you who I have not yet met, had the pleasure of, some of you I have and some of you I haven't. Um, I'm here to talk to you about um, death and dying a little bit. I've been a nurse for 37 years 
And um, I guess I was talking to Andrew last week or maybe the week before about spiritual. We were talking about spiritual moments and how they make us feel in our lives. And as a nurse, um, I've been present at many um, people's dying, some expected and some unexpected. And it is very moving experience for me um, through my career and also personally being um, with my father as he passed and my brother many years ago. Um, it's, it's just amazing to me the, um, the moment when the spirit, the human spirit passes on. And to me, what I observed is how um, inanimate the human body becomes after the spirit leaves. It's just, it just is utterly amazing to me, the spirit that is there, and then just like that is not. So, but really what I would like to talk to you today is one of the stories um, that I had the privilege and honor to be there for, because I do believe it's an honor to be there um, at the end of life as much as it is at the beginning of life. It's, it's a real honor. So this was many years ago. Uh, a gentleman came into our ER. I was a su the nursing supervisor, and he was having intense back pain. And when we worked him up, we found that he had a dissecting aneur uh, aortic aneurysm. It was bleeding. He was bleeding internally. And so we readied him for surgery, emergency surgery. We were getting ready to take him, and it was going to be a big surgery where we had to open him up. And it would have been months of recovery for him as he was an elderly gentleman. And he stopped us and he said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And we said, we're getting you ready for emergency surgery. We have to take you up right now to save your life. And he said, no, no, we're not doing that. I don't want major surgery. I've lived a long, full life and I want, I'm okay. He, got, he, he said, well, first of all, what happens? What's gonna happen? Am I gonna have a lot of pain? Well, you'll have a little bit of pain, like that back pain, but we can manage that. It's called palliative, managing symptoms. Okay, and he goes, and, and how will it be that I pass away? He said, well, when you bleed out, when you hemorrhage, you get tired, you go to sleep, and you pass away in your sleep. He goes, that's for me. I'm doing that. <laughs> and the doctors and the, we, a lot of the nurses, we were very uncomfortable with this. No, 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 that's not what we do. You came in here, we're saving your life. We're going to intervene. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. You could tell this was a very strong man who had his entire life determined what he was going to do, had a strong sense of self-determination. So he said, okay. So we found a bed for him in the ICU, probably didn't need the ICU where we could monitor him. And his family came in to see him and we got him settled into the room and, and he was sitting there and his family was all around him. And I came back a couple of hours later and his family was gone and he's sitting up in his bed eating his dinner. And I would like to tell you that there was a miracle, but that was not the miracle of a healing. It was the miracle of him being okay with the dying process, because dying is really living at the end of our life, right? And some of us know, to the, to the point of the story, some of us know when we're gonna die, and some of us don't. He knew, and he did it his way. And so when I came back and he's sitting up eating his dinner, I said to the nurse, where's his family? And she said, they just, he sent them home. He didn't want them there for this. 
he's eating his dinner. I go over, I said, we could let them, we'll bring cots in, we, they can stay. He goes, no, I don't want them here for that. I don't want them here for this. And he didn't die alone. He had a nurse, an ICU nurse was there, held his hand. She watched the monitor, like he did fall asleep eventually after his meal. He fell asleep and his heart rate started to drift down. And she went over and held his hand. So he was not alone and he did it his way. And that's living at the end of your life. Another man who we know well, President Carter, he went on hospice a year ago. And why did he do that? You think he's laying around in a bed? He's not. He's living his best life possible a year later, you know? And that's what it's about, is living our time, whatever that time we have left. Some of us know, some of us don't. Living that our best lives as we always lived our best lives. So I would like to tell you to, that we should advocate for ourselves and each other at the end of our lives, as we do throughout the entire uh, lives that we have. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, I wanted to share a book, too, that's just, um, I'm not sure that it just came out. It's called That Good Night. And we know that poem, That Good Night, it's about fighting against the end, right? This That Good Night is written by a palliative physician. And it's an excellent book about decisions that we make and allowing people to make their own decisions. Um, at the end of their life. Thank you for letting me share. Take your care.
చూసింది It's I didn't promise it would be an easy service. I just promised that hopefully at the end we'll leave uplifted. The um, prominent Unitarian Universalist minister Forrest Church wants to find religion as our human response to the fact that we are alive and that we will one day die. The whole of religion, every religion, each different faith boiled down to answering comforting and or making meaning out of death. There's a lot of truth to what to what he said. I think there's a lot of truth there. Some of the most pressing questions which human beings have are about what happens when we die. And what the meaning of our lives is knowing that one day the sun will rise and I will not be here. Death is it's the final of all finals, right? I mean, we don't know what happens. No matter what we what we believe, what others might believe, we have no fact. We do not know. And for many for many major religions, for many faiths, there are some discrete opinions about what happens after death, right? Some faiths, for example, Christianity uh, and Islam hold that there is an afterlife and those who are good, saved, blessed are going to a good place, and those who are bad, lost, damned, go to a bad place. I mean, that's, that's pretty simplified, but that's, that's the gist of it there. And other religions, as uh, Hinduism and Buddhism, in some of their sects, uh, say that the soul of a person is reincarnated, They're living many, many times through the ages, and that we can advance or, or not advance as we do those reincarnations. In a more in sort of environmental or pagan view um, is that our physical body lives on in the natural, root, natural world. Right? The food I eat dies in order to make life in me. Just as when I die, my physical substance will live on in other plants and animals. We heard a couple of these in the, in the prelude song, right? Live on in the, in the little green peas and the carrots. Or I'm going to be in a mystery. And the question, I mean, the question here is more possible answers than we can enumerate one morning. We could just keep on going. There's this I. There's this thing that has an identity. And what happens to that feeling, that sense, that soul, that individual, that being, that consciousness? What happens when the physical body is no longer working, when the physical body has stopped? I mean, you can see how even in the, in the questioning, even in how we frame that question changes the question and changes the possible answers, right? What happens to my physical body is a very different question than what happens to my soul, which brings up, like, what even is a soul? I mean, like, we can, we can keep going here. Like, what happens to my soul? Well, do I have a soul? What is a soul? I don't know. What happens to me? Who am I? What, okay, we can keep going. The point is... The, the, the answers and the questions are so varied. We all know that, right? We all, we all know that. We also know, I hope, that Unitarian Universalism is not going to give you an answer. So if you came this morning and you're like, I want to know what happens after we die. I'm going to go to church because Andrew will tell me, you're at the wrong place. I'm not going to tell you the answer of what happens after you die. 
because I don't know. Right? This is where our faith gently and firmly holds us accountable. Right? It says, you may believe what you believe in your inmost heart. That's, that's empowering, but it's challenging. It's hard. It's like, oh, I can believe what I believe. Well, what do I believe? Okay, there's, there's some work to be done there, right? There's some work that's part of the reason we come together to talk with people. It's like, what do you believe? What do you believe? Oh, that's interesting. Does that resonate with me? Oh, that definitely does not. That maybe, I, I don't know, to challenge ourselves, to support ourselves. Right? We have that freedom, we have that responsibility to do that work on our own. What happens at death? I don't have an answer for you. I have no idea. But I will sit with you. I will listen to you. I will talk with your ideas. I will hear you. I will question you. Yeah. I cannot give you an answer to your faith. That's, that's your work to be done. Even still... Even still, even without a tenant of faith, right? we don't have a tenant of faith, we don't say you have to believe this, there is a Unitarian Universalist view of death, a belief which permeates our religious culture, the value permeates our Sunday mornings, it permeates hopefully how we live, and it's very obvious in our memorial services, if you come to a memorial service, because we do indeed have a shared foundation and a shared belief and faith which speaks to what death means. When I welcome people to a memorial service, and if you've been to one which I have uh, performed or celebrated or officiated, you've probably heard words similar to this. I often begin with something that says, we are here to acknowledge the death and celebrate the life of our dear friend. We come together from the diversity of our grieving into the warmth of this community to give stubborn witness to our belief that even in the midst of sorrow, there is also joy. May we hold fast to the conviction that what we do with our lives matters and that a caring world is indeed possible. In this place of memory and hope, our time here is made holy by our presence, by our intention together. That is our faith. That is our faith, that even in saying goodbye to a loved one, it is very sad. Even though thinking about our own demise can be upsetting, we have faith that what we do with our lives matters, and that our lives go on through the connections we make, through the people we love. Our lives go on in others through our goodwill and our badwill, too. Every single action goes on. The man Cindy met at the end of his life lives on in her and now on in all of us and how we approach our lives and how we might approach our death. His life and his death made a difference in the world. When we breathe our last and we commend our lives to the great unknown, we can rest assured that there is an everlasting truth that what we did with our lives had an impact. Right? The Unitarian Universalist focus is, is on the here and now. Some other religions talk about what happens next. We, we're on the here and now, which is informed 
by the fact that others also live on in us, right? It goes sort of both ways, those exemplars who we can name as religious heroes. The unnamed multitude that made this faith, this national faith, our individual faith, this building a reality. Those friends and relatives who have gone before us and touched us dearly. Tina Spoons, Roswell, Sandy Beckius, Sally and Del Tweedy, our parents, our grandparents. All those whom we have loved live on now in us. And the unnamed and the uncountable multitude who touch their lives, our parents, their parents, who touch their lives, our ancestors, we will never know, but who nonetheless made us who we are. They live on in us, and their lives mattered as ours do for the legacies they left and the legacies we leave. We'll sing this in a bit. We are our grandmother's prayers, our grandfather's dreamings. We are the breath of our ancestors. We are the spirit of God, right? I mean, this is where it goes both ways. We will live on in those who come after us and through the impact of our actions. Just as those who have gone before us live on in our lives. Those who we remember and mourn are alive in how they changed us, how they created who we are. I have physical characteristics from my grandparents, but I also hold very dearly my grandmother's ethic of care and love and strength and adversity. I have a seminary professor who lives on in me when I remain open to differences and meet people of different beliefs in ways that we can both be heard. There is a time to mourn and weep. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a time to mourn and weep. Just as there's a time for living and remembering together. Thinking about death from a Unitarian Universalist perspective, I say is a charge to us. It's a charge to all of us. A charge to live our lives to the fullest extent and to the best ability that we are able. I must live my good life, because what I do matters. It goes on after I live. The good, the bad, make unending ripples in the world. The mindful, the less than mindful actions I take. So let us make the impact of our lives be beneficial, right? And in addition, we're asked to lead good lives for those who have gone before us, to keep alive our ancestors, our dear beloveds. We have been shaped and created through those who have gone before us. Let us keep them alive through our actions. So whether or not you personally believe in an afterlife that this I will be in somewhere, our communal faith says that what you do with your life matters. Is your life has an impact. That's the reason for this topic. That's the reason for our charge in our life. We know in our minds, right? We know in our minds that we will die. But to know here, to know in our hearts, and then to live with that reality, that's scary. But it's also amazing 
It's mysterious. It's lovely. It's holy. What does it look like to live with that truth? The truth that what you do matters. Like, really. Like, really matters. Like, I know I say that. Yeah, what I do matters. Okay, good, great. No, 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 no. Like, it makes a difference in the world. What you do makes a difference in the world. Wow. Or that people who have touched you live on in you. How amazing that that man lives on in the story and now lives on in all of us. What impact can we have? And how do we keep those memories proud of those who have gone before us? It's daunting. Daunting, but joyous and wondrous. So let us go forth. Let us go forth into our lives knowing that we will not live forever. Feeling that in our bones, the daunting the amazing mystery that is our finite life. Amen. Amen. Said I was in my early 40s with a lot of life before me when a moment came that stopped me on a dime. I spent most of the next days looking at the x-rays, talking about the options and talking about sweet time. I asked him when it sank in that this might really be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? And he said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a full name said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. He said I was finally the husband, and most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. All of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. And I went three times that year, I lost my dad. Well, I, I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. And then I went skydiving. Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a full name Blue Manchu. And I looked deeper and I 
said someday I hope you get the chance to live like you would die. Like tomorrow was a gift and you got eternity to think about what you do with it. What did you do with it? What did I do with it? What would I do with it? Yeah. Thank you, Tim McGraw, for that. Live like you were dying. Life comes at us a great wave of sorrow, a great wave of joy, of blessings, of hopes and dreams, of disappointments. And we witness to that every week by taking a special time in our service to say what is going on in your life that must be shared, must be shared to unburden the soul, to join in the celebration. If you have something you are holding in your heart which you feel the need to share, please come forward to speak into the microphone or make a motion online and you will be unmuted. we can bring this time of sharing to a close. We are not singing Spirit of Life today as we frequently do. Instead, we will be singing Return Again. The words are here and we'll have music momentarily.
I like to end our times of sharing and singing with a prayer, acknowledging that prayer means so many different things. So today, let us sit together in prayerful silence. and blessed be. Our closing song is the one I referenced as I was talking, and we have sung a few times and listened to a few times. Uh, it's 1051 in your hymnal. It'll also be on the screen. It's We Are by the wonderful Yusei Barnwell. You may rise in body or in spirit and go to the sides, or you may stay seated. We are. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. For each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. Oh, for each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who for each child that's born, a morning star rises and sings to the universe who we are. We are our grandmother's prayers, and we are our grandfather's dreamings, and we are the breath of our ancestors. We are the spirit of God. We are. 
fathers of courage, fathers of time, daughters of dust, and the sons of great visions, we're sisters of mercy, brothers of love, lovers of life, and the builders of nations, we're seekers of truth, keepers of faith, makers of peace, and the wisdom of ages, we of courage, fathers of time, daughters of dust, and the sons of great visions, we're sisters of mercy, brothers of love, lovers of life, and the builders of nations, we're seekers of truth, and keepers of faith, we are makers of peace, and the wisdom of ages, we are our grand prayers we we are our grandfather's dreamings and we are the birth of our ancestors we are the spirit of god we are our grandmother's prayers and we are our grandfather's dreamings we We have music and words and silence because they all reach us at different places and moments. Oh, we are, surely. And just as we go forth from this space, we recognize that we are the breath of our ancestors going forward from here. We now extinguish our lights, our chalices, holding on to our hope for peace holding on to our shared and our individual faith that what we do with our lives matters, and holding on to the joy, the hope, the anticipation of Advent. And if you are around next week, no Sunday morning service, yes, Sunday evening at 5 p.m. service. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. Amen and blessed be.